Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on Twitter at TalkinACCSports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at Smash underscore ASD. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as he introduces our guest. Jeff, this is Matthew. Can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear, Matthew. Okay, okay. So tonight, we have Brent Ciencia, who launched Pick 6 Previews in 2012. And over these, what is it, it's been 10 seasons now, it's rated the most accurate Power 5 preview in America by Stassen. And it's just, I mean, it's just a great publication. And he provides great analysis. He was selected in 2019 after his season preview book to be a Heisman Trophy voter and was invited on to over 100-plus radio TV podcast spots after his 2020 preview. He was invited to be a 12 per, uh, be join the 12-person F Football Writers of Association All-America Team Selection Committee, and he's also a voter on several national awards, such as the Heisman, the Boletnikov, uh, Outland, Nagurski, and Weekly Ballot in the Football Writers Association Super 16 poll. This was the first year that he has had a hard copy magazine edition. He's generally had a had a had a uh, had a digital copy uh, copy preview, but this was the first year of a hard copy magazine edition. And I am one of those people who purchased this this season preview book. This is the his season preview book is a deep dive into all 65, 66 Power Five teams. He has about fifteen hundred words or more about each. Team program histories, coaching schemings, graphics, and trends, next level stats, but it's in a very readable form. And I, I've enjoyed reading his book over the years, his preview over the years, and it's just been it's been terrific. And we've enjoyed having Brett come on our podcast for several years now. And he's just always been one of the great one of the best guests we've had on this show. And he's been very gracious in giving his time to us. So Brett. Welcome back to the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. This is the longest running independent ACC podcast in the country, and we're we're thrilled to have you back on the show. The floor is yours, friend. Tell us. Yeah, well, thanks, Matthew and Jeff, for having me back on. I, I think your intro pretty much covered it there. Thank you for such uh, such kind words and uh, for all the support over the years. Thanks for buying the book this year, the first hard copy. And uh, thanks to all ACC listeners out there, including your guests, too, your great weekly guests. Uh, for offering great insight on each team. And then uh, to all the listeners out there supporting on Twitter and, uh, and buying the book, appreciate it. I uh, hope you enjoyed it this year. It was a heck of a season. You know, a little bittersweet here that it's the last time we'll be talking Coastal versus Atlantic. Uh, of course, the ACC going to a divisionless structure next year. Uh, so bittersweet, but um, heck of a season. Had some twists and turns in the league uh, nationally. So excited to break it down for you guys. Uh, before we go into our questions, Brett, where can we find you on? Where can we find you on Twitter? We know you've got a couple of accounts out there. Where can we find you on Twitter? Where can we find you on social? Yeah, thanks. It's uh, pretty much just Twitter. It's at Pick Six Previews. That's all spelled out. Um, and what that is, it's all day, every day, even in the off season. I'm I'm putting my numbers out there, my analysis, my film study, uh, my interviews with head coaches and coordinators, uh, just nonstop on the platform there on Twitter. Um, you know, the season preview book is the big uh, the big product that comes out every July. But until then, it's at Pick Six Previews. Very good, sir. Yes, we know, and we know it's a lot of work. We know you do an exhaustive exhaustive analysis and everybody appreciates your 
your hard work and your efforts and and we've also appreciated your plugs over the years for our for our work as well our, our work as well and we kind of think of ourselves as a grassroots ACC blog and we appreciated the kind words that you've mentioned about us Jeff all right thank you Matthew uh Brett, let's get right into it with the most recent ACC football game uh, last night. Uh, the ACC championship. Uh, Clemson ends up winning the ACC. Had a change of quarterback. Cade Klubnik looked fantastic. Uh, give us your thoughts on that game. Yeah, well, congrats. Clemson there winning their seventh out of eight years. Winning the ACC title there seven times in eight years. And um you know, I think uh, you saw the old Clemson there in the first two series where it was DJU a quarterback. I think they went three and out both times, failed to get a first down. Uh, then on that third possession, he pulls the plug, brings in Cade Klubnik, the five-star prospect out of Texas, and really the offense and Clemson overall just took off from there. Uh, very impressive performance by the youngster. I think it was 20 for 24 passing, a touchdown, touchdown on the ground too. And I think you see a little glimpse of their future there. Um, so very impressed with them. Um, and yeah, still congrats to UNC for making it. They had one of the best offenses in America yet again under Phil Longo, one of the best coordinators in the country. He does it every year, and this time reloading a quarterback after Sam Howell left. And uh, Drake May could just be the freshman All-American at quarterback. We'll see what happens with that, but he certainly deserves the, the credit there. And, um, and yeah, so the changing of the guard, it happened for one year, but Clemson's right back taking the crown. And um, yeah, I, you know, I thought it was utter dom dominance last night. All right. As a follow-up to this, Brett, uh, I mean, what were your thoughts on, um, you know, Dabo? He's been pretty defensive about sticking with, with DJ Uyangalale for so long during the course of the year. And, you know, given the performance of, of Klubnik last night, um, I think he's going to be dealing with a month-long full of questions on, you know, did he handle the quarterback position at Clemson properly this year? Uh, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's interesting there. I mean, um, of course, quarterback is uh, the, the spotlight is always on that position. It's the most important to the offense and, and likely the team. Uh, so you're going to get a lot of extra heat on that. Um, I think with Dabo, when you when you you know when you think of his whole style, he's very relationship based with his players, his coaches, his fans, his family. Um, so I think that he's you know he's probably prone to give a guy a second chance or, or keep going with DJU, the experienced starter. You know. Uh, didn't want to ruffle any feathers there, but eventually uh, wanted to give Cade a try. And uh, you saw what he, he performed like last night. So, um, you know, credit Dabo. He's built such a dynasty up where we're looking at it as a down year, quote unquote, when they go 11 and 2 and win the league. So uh, that's, you know, a, a credit to what Dabo built there that this is considered an off year. So, um, no, I think that, uh, yeah, you, you might get some questions there, but, I, you know, I think they're going to be really strong again next year, a contender. It looks like both of his coordinator hits were strong. We'll see how they look in their second years, both of them. Uh, next year. I think you learn a lot more the second year around with the, with the staff. So um, we'll see about that one. All right. And for our listeners don't, who don't know yet, um, it, it was announced today that, that DJ Uyangale is going to enter the transfer portal. So this is definitely Cade Klublik's team next year. Um, all right, Brent. Um, as we look back on 2022, and, you know, we still have the Bulls to play, but um, – you know, which ACC football team do you think was the most disappointing in 2022? And which ACC team do you think was the most impressive? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'll start with the disappointing side. I'll actually do two. I'll do one from the coast and one from the Atlantic. 
Uh, starting with the Coastal, I think you got to start with Miami. And uh, I know that this was a transition year, bringing in Mario Cristobal. And usually, you know, you don't expect much from a transition season. But in the new transfer portal age, that, uh, you know, that, that duration needed to rebuild a roster is shortened. And, and we thought that what he did with his transfers coming in, that this was going to be a division winner. I think it was a unanimous pick across all the magazines to have Miami winning the Coastal. And they came out flat and they stayed flat all season. And it was both sides of the ball were at fault. Um, so really just a disappointment there. I thought that they were going to be a solid top 15 team, and that just really wasn't true at all. So, uh, And then over in the Atlantic division, you know, it's kind of hard to call a team that went 8-4 and four a disappointment, but uh, related to the expectations, I'm going to go with NC State uh, because we had heard about how this was their strongest team in school history potentially. Uh, everyone was back on defense off of an already strong unit in 2021. Uh, top 10 defense then. Everyone was back. Um, you know, De uh, Devin Leary coming back at quarterback, a 30-touchdown guy last season, uh, and it really just didn't click. I mean, of, of course, the injury to Leary was a huge part of it, but um, even earlier in the season, it just uh, it didn't seem like, um, you know, the, the, the level of caliber we thought with a, a potential Atlantic winner. So, um, you know, Dave Doran's built a, a successful winner there year in and year out, but we thought this was going to be the year, and uh, it simply wasn't. Oh, and then I do have the other part of the question, I guess. Sorry there, with the uh, the most impressed team, um, I guess, relative to expectation. I'm going to go with Duke here. I mean, uh, you know, they don't get too much attention being mostly a basketball school, but um, I got a chance to to interview Mike Elko, their new head coach, back in February after he took the job. I uh, was very impressed with his, uh, his excitement to take over his first program as a head coach. I liked his coordinator hires, and uh, it all clicked this year. Uh, I think they were consensus to finish last in the Coastal amongst all the magazines. They certainly proved everybody, including me, wrong uh, by rattling off eight wins, beating Miami, you know, beating rival Wake Forest there in the season finale. So uh, very impressed with their offense especially, but Duke as a program, nice job in a transition season. All right. And, um, Brent, that, that could be a lead-in into our next question. We'll see if um, you're, you're thinking what I think a lot of people have thought this year. Um, who is your ACC coach of the year? Well, I kind of just hit on Mike Elko there, so I'll, I'll leave him as the as the coastal uh, coach of the year. But in the Atlantic and overall in the conference, I'd pick Mike Norvell. Um, you know, with Florida State, this is a, one of those dynasty-type programs that's been down for quite some time. Um, went through a couple losing seasons uh, before he arrived, and then when he started here two years back. Uh, but this team, it all clicked. I uh, finished nine and three and my numbers. I mean, I like to look at it statistically in addition to, to watching these teams, but statistically Florida state was a giant this year. They were uh, they were a metrics giant. I mean, everything you look at offensively per play, defensively per play, adjusting it for opponent strength, um, explosive plays, defending explosive plays. I mean, every single metric I run Florida state's at the top or, or near the top. So, um, and uh, I think you saw that with the key wins over LSU, uh, the, the Florida win there, uh, the Wake Forest, I know they had a couple losses there early in October. I wish they had a rematch now with some of these teams. I think they'd, they'd beat them all, uh, quite frankly. So uh, I'm going to go with Mike Norvell as the ACC Coach of the Year. All right, good stuff there. Um, you know, as we move towards the 2023 season, it's never too early to start, you know, looking ahead. Um, who do you think is on the ACC's uh, coaching hot seat? Yeah, well, well, hot seat's a tough topic. I mean, because I do talk to a lot of head coaches and coordinators. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to, you know, down talk. But I think some some programs that are really in need of a of a winning season, of a bowl season next year. I, I think Boston College really could could use one. I know they went through a lot of injuries this year, um, especially their offensive line, which had already lost four guys off of that 2021 starting line. Four guys have departed. 
Um, the, and their best guy coming back, Christian Mahogany, he got knocked out uh, in spring ball. So a completely new offensive line. It was not much help for Phil Jerkovic, and I do think he's transferring out. Um, Zay Flowers, you got to give him credit. He did a lot of work for that offense, both receiving and in the run game, um, you know, in end arounds and, and creative ways to get the ball. But long story short, Boston College really needs a bowl season next year. Uh, who else we got? I think that obviously Dave Clawson's safe after a little bit of a disappointment there at Wake Forest. Um, you know, we have some coaching transition seasons where you're not going to put a, you're not going to throw a hot seat label on a first year guy with guys like uh, Mario Cristobal, Miami. Um, I want to see him a couple more years, let him build that. I think it's going to, I think it's going to end well. If you're a Miami fan, stay patient. Um, who else? The Virginia school is going through transitions. It's hard to really throw the hot seat label around there. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of the boring answer, but I, I don't have many candidates there yet for any, uh, any of that talk. All right. Um, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you um, for the last few questions here of the podcast. And I think you're thinking what we're thinking, Brett, that this is, I mean, this, we don't expect to see a whole lot of transition here in the off season for the first time in a long time, simply because you have a lot of, a lot of new coaching hires, particularly in the coastal. And, you know, it'll take, it'll take a while, at least for some of these, these institutions to judge there's, there's, you know, whether their successes or not, you know, and, you know, it takes a long time to build, build through and run through those, you know, run through the rosters that they have and get their own players into their system before you can make a full assessment. And so by that account, Let's go to Virginia Tech. Let's go to my Hokies here. I have a little personal question here, right? Uh, a lot of folks in Hokie land had Virginia Tech probably at about six wins this year. That's where I that's where I had it, but I was the least optimistic in my group. I had some people on, on our website at All Sports Discussion who were a little more optimistic than me and had Virginia Tech at seven or eight wins. And I and I thought that that was a little too optimistic, given what given what you know a lot of uh, the talent that transferred out or the talent that went to the NFL or the talent that a lot of the seniors that left. I thought that that was a little too optimistic. But they even went below the floor that I mentioned. They they, they were at three wins, right? And so the Hokies have so many roster needs right now. I probably would sound like a, an auctioneer, but many new players that they need, you know, how, how many new players do you expect Virginia Tech to get through the transfer portal next year? Because I, I think that there are just big issues of talent that I haven't seen in several years in Blacksburg, Brett. Yeah, well, I think with Virginia Tech, I'll start at the top with uh, with head coach Brent Pry. Again, another guy I had a chance to interview. I really enjoyed my talk with him. He loves the state of Virginia. You can tell it just comes through the phone. Uh, loves Virginia Tech football, loves Virginia Tech. He loves the Hokie alumni too. The players. He really one of his main goals was really to reconnect all the alumni and the, and the fans across the state, with the goal in mind to kind of build some fences around the state and keep some of that in-state talent home. Uh, he brought up an anecdote where you know he came from Penn State. He was a D coordinator there, a great success. But uh, he was talking about he would uh, recruit some Virginia players, and uh, and some of these guys hadn't even been to Virginia Tech yet. He was getting them to Penn State for an official visit before the in-state Virginia guys even went to Tech. So he said that's got to change. When he, when he took over at Blacksburg. It's got to be Virginia first. Uh, so I like that. So give it give it time. I know it was a tough season there. I think defensively they're going to be strong under Pry and his guy Marv and um, and uh, and offense. Yeah, so here's the thing with the transfer portal. It's obviously such a new tactic to, to program building. We've seen the extremes. We saw USC, I think it was 34 guys they brought in uh, in one offseason with Lincoln Riley. Uh, Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, he calls himself the portal king. 
uh, because he unloads, you know, 20 to 25 guys a whole cycle. So, yeah, it's just a matter of what Coach probably wants to do. I mean, you can go as high as 30 guys, transfer them in and process them in, uh, or keep it a smaller transfer hall and go big at the high school level and build it the old-fashioned way. It might take a little longer, but it might have some more dividends down the road. So uh, that's up to the coaching staff and their numbers to decide, but just know that that, all, that option is on the table to go the big 30-player uh, transfer route and I, I and i'm with you brad i mean i you know last last season i mean because there's a lot of hokey fans that were talking about it you know from last season that they spent a lot of time last this past year kind of building those high school relationships and i'm with you that i think that the reconnection will help with dividends there but one way to get your team better in a hurry is to is to you know is to go to the transfer portal because a lot of people are thinking that, you know, if you want to try and get better next year, you got to get better at quarterback. You got to get better at, at offensive line. You absolutely have to get better at receiver. You have to get better at running back. I sound like an option. <laughs> I hate to say it, I sound like an auctioneer here, like some Pokey fans. You know, I'm ch- ch- poking fun at myself a little bit here, but there are a lot of needs that, a lot of needs that I haven't seen in a long time. And I, I'm, w- I'm, w- I'm with you. I mean, you have to hit both quotients there where you're hitting the high schools but you know i i have a feeling that we're gonna we're gonna see it we're gonna see quite a few come in through the transfer portal in the off in the off season because they're gonna have to balance both of the both sides of the coin that's just my personal opinion of 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 what of what what i think is going to happen in blacksburg yeah i I agree and uh, you see that across the conference too i think you'll have some rebuilds happening um, I mean, right away, Georgia Tech going through a coaching transition. Uh, UVA is still new into their into their move there, and um, that's just the name of the game in college football now. It's uh, it's transfer portal, it's uh, branding, it's big recruiting as always. And um, but really, don't forget about coaching schemes and coaches too. And I think that's why that's how you hit a home run with Brent Pry at least on defense. I think at least you know you have the defense covered. Now it's a matter of uh, figuring out the offense and getting personnel in there. So um, yeah, I try and stay optimistic, and um, you know we'll see. Absolutely, absolutely. So here we are, man. Give us your thoughts on the college football playoff field. The floor is yours. Yeah, well, the college football playoff, um, you know, it's been a hot debate recently whether to expand, whether to stay at four. And um, I know I'm in the minority opinion here. I do like the four-team structure. Um, I like that it retains all that importance that us diehards love on every Saturday. I mean, you tune in in uh, in September and October. These games have a ton of stake. Um, on Saturdays compared to what they do on Sundays. And that's just a, that's just a fact of the reality. I mean, um, in the NFL, you could go on a four-game losing streak and just get hot in January, you can win the title. And, and some fans love that, and that's totally okay. But I like it that uh, in college football, you got to stay perfect or pretty much near perfect uh, to, to remain having a chance at a national title. So, uh, But, but that, that discussion aside, uh, in, in terms of this specific four, I think they got it right. Um, I think they got it right again. Um, of course, you start with the two undefeated Giants there with Georgia and Michigan running through the two toughest conferences in the league, or in the nation, that is, and um, you know th- their resumes speak for themselves. With TCU and Ohio State, the only one lost Power 5 teams out there. Uh, when, you know, all the dust settled. Um, it looked like there were a ton of undefeateds back in October, but these games happen. They, they, the results matter. They play themselves out. And with TCU, you have a team that went 12-0 in a really tough conference. You know, it's not as elite as the SEC, but they have a lot of strong teams. And they navigated a lot of close games and got to give them credit. They were an inch short of going 13-0 there at the goal line. Ohio State, too, they started out 11-0. They were blowing teams out. I think that margin matters. And um, they every single one of their wins was by double digits. So uh, that, that's pretty impressive. 
And then, um, yeah, of course, they, they, they took their lumps against Michigan, who happens to be the number two team. So um, I, I like the four they have. I really want to see that Ohio State offense against Georgia's defense, and I think we're in for two really good games. Excellent take. Can, Brett, can I just tell you my personal opinion? I'm, I'm yeah. happy that Alabama did not get in over TCU. That's just a personal opinion of mine because I think that if you're barely beating Texas and barely beating Texas A&M, that you should not be in the playoff. You weren't in your conference championship game. And I, I agree with you that they got those four right. Do I sound, do I sound like I'm a spoil sport by saying that? No, I think that that's the general consensus, I'd say, amongst the college football fans. And, and, I mean, the committee reflected that. And when you look at Alabama, I mean, it's not just that they didn't play in their conference title because Ohio State was in that same spot. I, I can sometimes see how that could happen. But the fact of the matter is they had two losses. I mean, they went 10-2, and two, and three, three of their wins were by one score. So this wasn't a metrics giant. They weren't blowing everybody out. Uh, A&M was throwing into the end zone to win. Texas, you mentioned, was a close one. Uh, so, I mean, this is, yeah. So to go 10-2 and two, and not even be a conference champ. That, that's not a playoff resume. I'm sorry. And they had the chances and they blew it. Okay. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you said that. Okay. Open microphone time. The floor is yours, Brett. Well, the open mic, um, you could go any, any direction here. I just want to say how exciting a season it was in the ACC. Um, I want to shout out some individuals. I mean, of course, I like to talk teams. I like to talk the, you know, the numbers, the metrics. But, uh, you know, this game is played by individuals. So, I mean, you start a quarterback, Drake May. We hit on the freshman All-American caliber player there. Um, he's going to either do one of two things. He's going to light up the scoreboard in Chapel Hill for two more years, or he might transfer to one of these playoff contenders. I hate to, I hate to think that way, but that's just where we are nowadays. Uh, so we'll see. I know that he's a UNC family. I hope he stays there. Uh, and, and just excels in Chapel Hill. So shout out to him at quarterback. Um, you know, and then you look around at running back Israel, Abanakanda from Pitt, uh, you know, a thousand yard guy, along with Sean Tucker of Syracuse, 2,000 yard guys. Uh, very impressed with them. Will Shipley, again, a third thousand yard back. The ACC had three of them this year. Uh, great in, in each of their ways. Uh, very, very distinct different players, but great players. Um, receiver, three guys I want to shout out. Josh Downs at UNC, a touchdown machine. A.T. Perry at Wake Forest, really the, the perfect piece of that offense. How many times do you see Wake Forest, um, if they don't hand, it up, hand, hand the ball up up the gut, they uh, throw it deep, vertical shots, and they either do one of two things. They win the one-on-one -on -one with a catch or they draw a P.I. They're so effective at that. Um, great offense there by Dave Clawson, and uh, yeah, Perry was the, the best receiver. Uh, and then Zay Flowers, I know I touched on it earlier, but in really a broken offense this year with injuries and guys, the linemen were all replaced. Uh, Zay was really the guy. I mean, he was catching balls. I think he had a thousand yards or close to it, got involved in the run game. Um, so just, yeah, impressed by all their individual performances. And I'll throw out a defender too, uh, Kalijah Kansi, really impressive there at Pitt. I think you'll see him on a lot of first team All-Americans. Uh, he's, a, he's a finalist for several defensive awards and well-deserved. Uh, Pat Narduzzi does it again. It's that same attacking defense. They always lead in sacks and tackles for loss. And uh, Cansey was your guy. And a bonus here, I want to throw in Jared Verse because I remember back on our preview show back in July, we were talking about any impact transfers. I'm pretty sure we discussed this. Um, or it might have been a Florida State show I was on, but I was saying, hey, look at Jared Verse, this uh, defensive end coming from Albany, one of the top-rated FCS transfers coming up, and uh, he really tore it up. I think you'll see him again on All-American lists, but this time for the FBS. So, um, yeah, a lot there. 
I, I hit on at the top. It's bittersweet to see the Atlantic and Coastal go away. It's, you know, I, I love divisions. I know that might be antiquated to say, but I do love the divisions. I love the rivalries that are built in, uh, just the repetitive, you know, the, the home and homes every year. Um, the, the idea that six or seven teams are playing the same pool of teams uh, before going cross division, I think you can, can evaluate them better amongst their peers that way. But, uh, but yeah, man, uh, the, the, the chaotic coastal, as it was called, that's gone now. It's, it's a little bittersweet. Thank you for your take, Brett. Jeff, you're up. Yeah, we've been we've been talking football here with with Brett to close out, you know, the ACC regular season. Uh, but also it was a, a big week for ACC basketball. Um, if you've been following the, the non-conference portion of the of the ACC, uh, it's it's been a struggle. I mean, we got to be honest. There's there's been some horrendous results, particularly by Florida State um, and, and Louisville. Who who have one win between them um, through through this part of the uh, schedule, and um, you know other than than Virginia, you know they really weren't a ton of quality out of conference wins um, on, on the on the resume of, of ACC teams. I know Virginia Tech had a win over Penn State. That was a good uh, a good win. Uh, but this week the ACC got a much 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 needed. Um, boost out of conference in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, I think even for the most optimistic ACC fan, uh, I don't think anyone expected to win that to win that challenge. Um, you know, we're most, I think, at, in a best case scenario, we're thinking five, maybe six wins. Um, but when you go down the, the, the resume or go down the schedule, there's some you know, there were some quality wins picked up by the conference. Uh, you look at Wake Forest winning at Wisconsin. I mean, we know how difficult it is of a place uh, you know it is to win at Madison. That Wisconsin team just beat Marquette uh, this weekend, so that was a really big win for for Wake Forest. Uh, you know, Miami takes down a Rutgers team that that beat Indiana over the weekend, so big win for them. Uh, Virginia Tech knocking off Minnesota, and then coming back today with a win over North Carolina. Uh, I think you see that challenge, you know, bullying a couple of teams that kind of carried it over um, into following really good performances. Uh, Clemson goes to double overtime with Penn State and then comes back home and beats that West Wake Forest team we were just talking about by, you know, double digits. Played very well. Pitt, who we kind of forgotten about, you know, one of the hot seat coaches there, Jeff Capel, I mean, shot lights out against Northwestern. You know, this was a Northwestern team that was within a possession of beating Auburn. Uh, they go up to Northwestern, shoot lights out from three, and then go to North Carolina State and beat and beat the Wolfpack. So, you know, a lot about what we thought about Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're a team that's been able to separate from the bottom of the conference. Uh, I think you're, you're seeing Duke, uh, their young, talented team, you know, took a couple of losses early. It's starting to grow up as they knocked off Ohio State, um, you know, Notre Dame. They took advantage of a, of a somewhat depleted Michigan State team and blew out the Spartans, but they couldn't. They, they were a team that couldn't follow up their win, uh, you know, as they lost to uh, Syracuse over the weekend at home, and that that's a really bad loss. When you look at at teams like we already mentioned, Florida State, Louisville, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, Boston College, you know, all with, with really you know, have struggled during a non-conference portion of the schedule. And basically you take a loss to one of those teams 
at home, it's like losing two games because you're going to need a couple of quality wins to make up, you know, for a loss to one of those five. So I, I think when you look at the ACC as a whole, what the Big Ten challenge, the, the ACC Big Ten challenge to prove is that one through nine, one through ten, you know, the conference is, is right there with anyone in the country. And we saw that in the challenge. Um, but the bottom you know, it's it's bad. It's really bad at the bottom of the conference. And it's going to drag down those computer numbers over the course of the year. But, you know, that challenge picked up some some quality wins that that these teams needed. We saw Virginia and, and Matthew and I have talked about this, you know, on Twitter. I mean, they may they may have the best resume in all of college basketball. You know, they went to Michigan and and, and took down the Wolverines as well. So, you know, a lot of good results. Uh, it was good to see the ACC kind of kind of get back on some footing and and be able to point to some quality wins because you know how valuable those are uh, going to be in March when, you, when you're a bubble team. The, the one team, you know, if we're talking about disappointing and, you know, surprising teams in football, you know, we got to talk about the North Carolina Tar Heels. Came into the season ranked preseason number one, and they've already lost four times, and they've looked bad doing it. They're, they are basically a complete mess of an offense in the half court it their offense is basically dribble 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 you know make a one-on-one move and hope for the best uh i i mean this is a talented team you could see it when they're when 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 they're going i mean they still look like a team that can be really good and i and i think they're gonna right the ship but maybe the expectations at the beginning of the year were, were a little bit too much um you know we're gonna have to see how how Hubert Davis handles that adversity with that with that team uh, because right now they're they're struggling. We know they're talented, but they're struggling right now, especially with their half court offense. So yeah, now as we transition to to basketball, we'll be talking more basketball on the podcast. As you know, Brett helped us close out the ACC regular season in in football with some of his great insights tonight. I'm just going to use my open mic to be very brief and to thank Brett for coming on our podcast. You've been very gracious to come on here. Whenever we've asked you on, you've always, always spare time for us. And we just really appreciate you coming on this podcast. So Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to your, to your family. We hope we, you and friends, we hope you had a great Thanksgiving and we would love to have you come back on the show again sometime, Brad. Thank you so much, sir. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me. And um, I want to say, I appreciate you guys having me on over the years. You were one of the first ones to have me on. This was before I even had the, the preview book going out. Um, so, I mean, I'll always be grateful for that. I have a ton of respect for what you guys do and, and also your weekly guests you bring on. I mean, I, I remember tuning in throughout multiple preseasons uh, listening to each of your team-specific guests, you know, your Duke guy, your Wake Forest guy, uh, great insights all around. So I appreciate all of them and you guys. I think to some of the listeners, you want to know, too, that it takes a lot to produce a podcast. I was in the podcast game for a couple seasons back in, like, 2016 and 17. And a lot goes into that. So give these guys credit for what they're doing every week on the dime. You know when it's coming. Uh, Longest-running ACC pod. So uh, congrats, guys. Keep it up. And, uh, yeah, again, thanks for having me on and, and all the kind words and the support on Twitter. I appreciate it. All right, you guys have a great week. Take care.